if it is your first time here today, a special welcome to you. Um, we are just sort of a band of merry people who uh, are trying to follow Jesus. And um, you'll notice a couple things about us. That, um, the bathrooms are around the corner, so in case you need that, you can get up and get coffee anytime. We're pro-coffee here at this church. Um, and um, we don't pass a collection plate. I've had a few people um, ask me that over the course of the last few weeks. Um, it's just not something that we do. We believe in giving and that it's important to do, but we also believe that it's one of those disciplines um, that is about you and God and where you are in that spiritual journey of what that looks like for you. So if you've been like, but I've had, a, I've had something every week and I don't know what to do. Um, there is a blue box in the back and it's kind of bolted to the door and that's just what our, where our giving boxes are. So if you've been wondering about that, um, yes, there, you can put your, uh, your gift or your offering in there. Um, but that's, again, something that we don't do as part of corporate worship, but we do value as, as being something that's important. So that's a little bit about what we got going on here. Uh, and I just want to uh, open up with a word of prayer as we dive into this thing about being um, forgiving people, because that's difficult. And bless you. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to welcome you into this place. God, we, we ask that you just send your spirit upon us um, to give us light and wisdom and discernment as we, as we open your word together, as we talk about uh, the way that you lived your life and how to be uh, more like you here on this earth. We want to bring your kingdom here now. Um, and so as we talk about forgiveness, God, it is one of those things that um, is deeply rooted in our heart that we have different um, experiences with it, that some of us have different hurts. Some of, us have, some of us have had things that happen in our lives that as soon as I talk about forgiveness, um, it can maybe even act as a trigger for something for them. And so I just pray that uh, for those people that are struggling um, with, with forgiveness, whether because they need to ask for it or whether they need to give it, uh, God, that you just give them um, your love and your, and your strength today as we, as we talk about it. Um, and just open our eyes to, 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 to see things in a new way and our ears to hear things so that our lives can be transformed. God, we thank you for who you are and who we get to be when we stand in the light of Jesus Christ. It is in your name we pray and we believe. And all God's people said, amen. So I gave you a little bit of a, you know, the, the starting point is this forgiveness is, is a difficult topic to talk about. Um, it's something that we all understand the importance and the significance of. But knowing that makes it 0% easier, right? Like forgiveness is just the thing that if, if we, the part of the human struggle, uh, part of who we are is that we struggle to forgive. We are sort of, we feel like programmed and wired as, as, as fallen human beings to hold on tightly to things, right? To keep a record of wrong. <laughs> like that's, I'm so good at that. I can, I can move past something, but oh man, I have, a, I have it like a little spot, right, in the back of my brain that can make, it can pull, it can come to the forefront of my mind in two seconds, especially if I'm in a conversation or in a relationship with somebody who uh, maybe has hurt me in the past. It's really hard for me to be vulnerable with that person again, right, to have that trust with somebody again. We talked about that a little bit when we talked about trust, right? There's always two sides, though. There's, we've experienced forgiveness um, sometimes from the side of needing to ask someone for forgiveness, right? Or, or being the one that um, is going to do the forgiving, right? Somewhere in our life experiences, we've been on both sides of that conversation. 
I'm watching a movie a while ago, and it's a movie that I keep saying I'm going to show Aiden. Aiden's 13, and anytime I feel like I have a movie from my past that he was too young to see, I'm always like, you got to see this. Sometimes it goes over well, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's like, why was this ever a thing, right? Back to the Future, he's like, I don't know, it's not that great. Um, but this is one of those movies um, that maybe some of you have watched it. It's called Invictus. Uh, it is about, it takes place... Um, Post-apartheid um, in Africa, Nelson Mandela was in prison, right? It was very much like the um, black Africanos and the um, British, what's what I'm looking for? What's that? You're, she's correcting me, but she doesn't want to do it loudly. That's the problem. I'm fine. Okay, so these two people, sort of the, the black and the white of um, South Africa. And um, so Nelson Mandela gets released from prison post-apartheid and uh, it then becomes president. So now he's trying to bring this sort of nation together of black and white. And they sort of end up rallying around this really great um, rugby team. So that's sort of the premise of the movie. It's in 2008. If you haven't seen it, that's your homework assignment. You should do it. I think most families can watch it. It's PG-13. I don't know. Maybe double check. I forget sometimes, right? Like I'm watching it as a 39-year-old, and I'm always like, it's totally fine. And then I watch it with my 13-year-old, and I'm like, oh, shoot. Forgot about that. Um, so I don't know. Parental guidance suggested. But there's this one um, sort of moment in here that really gets at this idea of, of forgiveness and speaks to it in a really quick way, but is really important. So watch this for a second. You look agitated, Jason. Well, that's because there are four special branch cops in my office. Oh, what did you do? Nothing. Well, they say they're the presidential bodyguards and they have orders signed by you. Ah, yes, ah, yes. Well, uh, these men are special trained by SAS. They have lots of experience. They protected the clerk. Yes, sir, but it doesn't mean that they have to come... You asked for more men, didn't you? Yes, sir. I asked... Um... When people see me in public, they see my bodyguards. You represent me directly. The Rainbow Nation starts here. Reconciliation starts here. Reconciliation, sir? Yes, reconciliation, Jason. Comrade President, not long ago, these guys tried to kill us. Maybe even these four guys in my office tried and often succeeded. Yes, I know. Forgiveness starts here, too. Forgiveness liberates the soul. It removes fear. That is why it is such a powerful weapon. We know that's true. Right? This is one of those great movies. I, I hopefully you're like, I'm going to go ahead and see if it's on Netflix. Go ahead and you can check on your phone if you want later. I won't be offended. Um, but this is one of those things that, this isn't a new idea about forgiveness. That we know what it does to us. We know that, that the lack of being able to forgive eats us up. We, none of this is brand new information, but we have all these reasons to not to. Right? There's this, um, I can't forgive this person because well, I don't really see them much anymore. Or, um, they, you know, they, they didn't ask for forgiveness. They didn't, they didn't say they were sorry. So I can't forgive someone if they're not even willing to say they're sorry. Or um, this one is sort of, this one's me. They don't even think what they did was wrong. Have you had those conversations? They don't, and it's maddening and frustrating and, you're, and you don't have words for it. And you just want to yell a little bit. Like they don't, they hurt me in a way that they don't even realize and they don't know it was wrong. Or maybe some of, some of you, if, if you work through, um, you know, conversations you've had with your parents over the years, right? Some of those wounds can be deep when we think about our relationship with our parents. Um, and you kind of 
work, work up the, the willingness to have a conversation and they say things like, I'm sorry you, you experienced that you felt that way. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. I actually said that to somebody and I didn't realize how it sounded. Like, I'm sorry that um, that was your experience. And she looked at me and she was like, it wasn't my experience, it happened. And I was like, all right, well, that's not what I meant. And I like, you know, was panicking a little bit, right? I, I meant I wasn't there to witness it. I was, I started trying to apologize on behalf of someone else, which does not go well, right? In most cases and doesn't do the healing work, right? Of, of going to specifically to a person and saying, here's what I've done. Will you forgive me? Our misery lives in the space between who they are as people and then who we think they should be. Do you know what I mean? In your like most serious relationships, um, when you know someone really well, this idea of like, I just want them to be better. This was hurtful to me and it wouldn't be hurtful if they just were at this next place. It's so frustrating because you, it's, it comes, I think, from a good place. We want more for them, right? We want something to be different. We want them to, to do something different, to have this, this transformational point in their life where it clicks, where something for them changes, and they start to behave and to act differently, like they finally learn their lesson. I feel like I look at parents in the room are sort of smiling at me, right? Because maybe we have kids that are like that. I, I feel like every time I talk to somebody, the older um, the parents are, the more they have a story of that for them, maybe a child that was like that, right? This like, I'm just praying for them. I just want something better for them. I just want them to, and it's that misery that we live in between accepting who they are and wishing they, they were different. Different in the best way, best of intentions. We want them to experience real change. But Christ calls us to, to move to a place of acceptance. And we, that makes us a little bit uncomfortable um, because we're these people that are sort of like, no, we could, there's always something to work on. We can move to this next level, but we have to have acceptance of, of who they are, who we are at the moment, at that specific moment in time and extend forgiveness anyway. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Uh, I, want it to, uh, I, want it to be, I want it to be different because it feels different. But Jesus was pretty right on the nose <laughs> when I think he talked about what it means to, to have that kind of forgiveness. Because he basically says, we want you to forget the notion that anyone deserves it. And we are a people that live in this moment of we have to work to earn something so that you can deserve something right? It's just the way we operate. Uh, and we do it with little things and we do it with big things, right? Like it, it starts off when we're kids. If you clean your plate, then you get to have, right? You've worked. You did it. You did the work. You hated it, but you like got those vegetables down and now you get ice cream or whatever it is, right? From the smallest example, and it just kind of goes from there. We have this thing, we can work harder to do the next thing to earn our forgiveness. But Jesus says this, Go ahead and put that first slide on the screen. He's talking to, to Peter, and you've heard it before um, in, in Luke. He, he's having this conversation of how, how much... Oh, that's the wrong one. It's um, Peter... Came, I'll, I'll read it. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? 
Seven times, right? Why would seven? Seven for, in Jewish tradition is the number of um, wholeness, of completeness. So he's like, seven? Seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. This idea that, that to infinity and beyond, keep on the process of forgiving. The kind of forgiveness that Christ calls us to is infinite. It's generous. It's the kind of forgiveness that, that God has for us when he gave us Jesus Christ as atoning sacrifice for our sins. He said, until forever. You can put that slide back up. Because Jesus, while he was being crucified, praying, um, while he was being crucified, the, the nails were going in, and, and as he's, this is happening to him, he's praying to the Father on the behalf of those people that are pounding the nails, saying, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's just 70 times 7 to infinity and beyond, right? What they were doing to Jesus wasn't okay, right? It was cruel and it was unjust. And I think we've had experiences in our lives that would say, what happened to me was cruel and it was unjust. We've, there's a multitude. It's one of the hard things they don't tell you about when you, when you have this, when this job, right? Is you're trying to come, trying to cover the span of your experiences and it's difficult. Because some of you have been wounded deeply. And all of us have been hurt in some way, shape, or form. So wherever you are in that spectrum, this is still for you. Because there's, there's trauma for people that have been abused in some way, taken advantage of, and what happened to them was awful. What happened to you was awful. But the idea of holding on to, to rage and bitterness and anger becomes this, this poison in our lives, and I guarantee it's true for you if you haven't maybe, if you're not on the other side of it, maybe you haven't seen it, but it's this thing that affects your ability to have good relationships with everybody else. Maybe not on the surface, on the surface it's fine, but that next time you try to have that deeper level of, of um, relationship with somebody, that thing that is, that is poisoning the inside of you gets in the way every single time. But no matter what our circumstances have been or what kind of hurt that we've suffered in, in our lives, we, ha we have an understanding of forgiveness, of what it's like. But I think the, the thing that has struggled, been a struggle for me for a long time has been the idea that forgiveness means it's okay. We say it flippantly. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's like it's fine. I had experience the other day that I was I was in the bathroom, right? It's one of those locks that don't lock well, you know? And so the person just came busting in and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, that's okay. No, it wasn't. <laughs> that's not okay. I'm not going to invite them in. Please pass me some toilet paper. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but we, I mean, that's a, it's a flippant, right, example of this. Like, we, I'm sorry, it's okay. And then it vanishes and it's, it's, it's no longer a, a mistake or it's, it's no longer something that has been painful or hurt you. Forgiving someone doesn't make what happened to you okay now. It doesn't erase any of the hurt that you've experienced, right? Forgiveness just allows us to move forward. Forgiveness allows us to remove the fear. It's this liberating 
It's what Morgan Freeman was talking about as Nelson Mandela, right? It's this, it helps us. It releases us. It's, it's less about the gift that we give other people, but more about the gift that we give ourselves, right? Forgiveness and relationships are not mutually exclusive. So there's also not this idea that it, in order to be good at forgiving somebody or to, or to be in a, a healthy relationship that you've forgiven someone that's maybe hurt you deeply and then that relationship continues and you just try to move forward. I feel like sometimes, especially as Christians, that's sort of the, I don't know, the guilt sometimes that we feel that we should keep doing that. That's what it means to, to practice forgiveness really well is to then keep moving forward. But sometimes I think that says, no, we don't have to stay. We, we shouldn't stay in those relationships that are, are not abusive or not good. Forgiveness and relationships are not mutually exclusive, right? People that violate our boundaries or, or abuse us in a way, you don't have to stay in that space in order to forgive, right? You can forgive and accept what happened and remove yourself from those situations and relationships, and it's one of those things that I think we know in our, in our heads, but it's so difficult for us. And then we have this sort of Christian guilt that lays on top of us because there's a way to do it right. Somebody's having so much fun in there. If you guys are hearing on this, it's like, God, he's doing this. It's all right. But what I found that is most true for me, and I know that it's true because I hear you tell me when I talk to you, is that, most of the time, the forgiveness that we lack in our lives and keeps us from having positive relationships with each other is the forgiveness that we have to give ourselves. Right? Most of the time, the forgiveness that needs to happen has to absolutely be directed towards ourselves. Self-forgiveness, it's the thing, our own stuff, it's the thing that we carry on for the longest. Right? The thing you wish you would have done differently, the things you said that you can't take back. Um, maybe even somebody has extended you the blessing for you of forgiveness and say, it's okay, I forgive you for that thing. And you, you're like, yes, thank you, but you can't move on. Because for you, it just piles on and weighs on you heavy. Have you had experiences like that? It's just, the, and more often than not, it's the stuff that we carry around that nobody knows about. Right? They're not the things that have happened out loud in the world or in a relationship. It's the stuff that we carry around um, because we're obsessing about things that we think happened that didn't happen or we think went a certain way but maybe didn't or we've never had the conversation out loud so we're just keeping it in on side. We just basically want to have a blanket forgiveness to the world. Like, I'm sorry I'm not enough for whatever it is. I'm sorry that I'm not more this way. I say it all the time, I wish I could be more like, if I could just get better at, and it's basically I want to just apologize up front. I want to ask for forgiveness for things, for things that I, I, haven't, I have no business, that I don't need to own. Because our own misery lies between where we are and where we think we should be. It's the same we have for other people, but it's the absolutely the thing that is deep-rooted within us, right? We, we expect certain things from ourselves. Like, I want to be to this next place. Why can't, I, why can't I get there? Why can't I be more emotionally available? Why can't I, um, why can't I, be, why can't I be more organized? Why is that so hard for me? 
Why right now, if you walk into my room, I can't fold clothes? Right? It's a thing that's funny, but it's some, sometimes I, at the end of the day, i like, how did it get like this? Because it's just a microcosm of like the bigger mess that sometimes my life is. Because clothes, if I can't fold clothes, there's a lot of other things that are messy too for me. Where you are in your life is fine. Right? How do we accept ourselves for where we are so that we can grow? Right? This, our whole life is this process of growing and what it looks like to, to, to just sort of naturally um, grow and develop as people. Right? We have a level of expectation that we expect from our kids. We don't expect, we don't expect the same. We don't expect them at two years old to be able to wake up and like, be like, morning mom, morning dad, and go get their own milk and cereal, right? That's not an expectation that you have for them because they haven't learned those things yet. They're not big enough to carry milk, <laughs> for crying out loud. But this idea of growth that we have, it, it happens, and it happens differently, but it's how God designed us to be. He wanted us to grow. We have this natural God-given instinct to grow and to thrive. He wants that for us. I was talking to a friend, and she said to me, it's like, you think that's why we have cheerleaders, right? Cheerleaders' whole purpose is to, like, be on the sidelines, you know? Woohoo! And you can do it! And they're doing these things, and they're, they have the cheers, and it's all so that the players in the field feel really good about themselves. We don't have beraters. You're the worst! Why did you do it that way? Get it together! I mean, I've seen some... Never mind. You've all sat next to somebody that might be like that, but they're not on the sidelines. They're not an organized group of people, right? But instead, and we're good at being other people's cheerleaders, you can do it. You're, I see this in you, and I'm proud of the growth you've experienced. I've known you for a while, and now after knowing you, I've just seen where you're, where you're going, and it's good, and I'm proud of you. But when we talk to ourselves, we generally are, God, why can't you get it together? Couldn't you just do that differently? Why did you say it that way? Why can't you just? We are our own worst enemies in that regard because we don't allow for us to experience growth at a rate in which um, we're comfortable with. And because we live this life of obviously uh, of this comparison. I need to be at this level of, of whatever it is. And I'm talking, this is just like, across the, the span of everything, whether it's where you should be financially and what kind of house you should have or car you should have or should you have kids by now or should you be married by now. <sighs> but it's all the other stuff. Some of the stuff that we don't, uh, is harder to see, right? That, the, the things that we struggle with deep, deep in our hearts. Why can't it be more like this? Why can't I be to this next level? Why can't I be more emotionally available for Fill in the blank. What I love about kids is that they're always excited to learn something new. Especially when they're little, right? Like they just can't wait for you to show them how to do something. There's wonder and magic in their eye and they just cannot wait and you're going to show them how to do it and it's great. And making, I watch um, a friend of mine make cookies with her, her granddaughter and it's like she's pumped to make these cookies. And then she's pumped to show you the cookies that she made and for you to taste the cookies that she made. And she made it and she learned something new. Or then the next week, I'm going to learn how to make 
homemade pasta, and she was excited about that because everything that she's doing is brand new, and they thrive in it, and they love it. And somewhere in adulthood, we decide that um, we're at an age or stage of life where we should have it figured out. And we're not allowed to make mistakes or do things incorrectly or have any kind of growth trajectory because we've arrived. Then we get mad at ourselves and the whole cycle starts again and we have no grace and forgiveness for us. We have this terminal uniqueness to us. Here's why it's not going to work for me. I'll just tell you all the reasons. For me, I am fundamentally lazy. I am fundamentally lazy and I'm afraid that if I don't work hard enough, that's going to show. Right? We, we, we'll say it this way. It's not, it's not about trying harder. It's, it's, it's trying to grow and to build into who we want to become. Not because it's the next level that we have to get to, but it's the process of becoming holy. Right? It's sanctification. It's not based on the merits of us working harder. Sanctification, the process of becoming holy, is about Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Because guess what? It's not your job. That should be freeing a little bit. That should make you go, okay, all right, I can, I can do this. It is not your job. It is the process of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus. But we have to sort of let go of these ropes of righteousness, of trying harder and working harder to do those things, right? Those, those ropes that you're holding on to aren't the ropes that are holding you up. They're the ropes that are weighing you down. They're the ropes that are telling you that you're not good enough, that you're not doing it right, that doesn't allow you to forgive yourself. Therefore, you have less of a capability to forgive other people. Right? The measuring stick that we have, the where you are and where you should be, sometimes there's this plank above it that keeps out sunlight and rain and the things that, that are good in our lives that are going to help us to grow. It kind of creates this barrier. I don't want to remove that barrier for us, right? We can start with ourselves, right? We can be we can be better for ourselves, we can be better for people, not because we work harder, but we live our lives a little bit more like this. Lord, let me see opportunities to grow. Let me see opportunities where I can forgive myself so that I can forgive other people around me. Right? We gather um, together as church. Right? This is our, our spot. We don't call this a church because where we are is church, but for all practical purposes, when we gather in this space, in this building together, we are the church body, yeah? So what does that mean for us then to be generous with forgiveness? I'm not sure. I'm kind of asking the question. I'm not exactly sure what it looks like for us. But I know it's something that we have to talk more about. How do we love people where they are instead of passing judgment about where they should be? That's half the time that we spend. And I feel like sometimes, at least in my life, Church had become a place where that was happening more often. And I was like, wait a second. It's not supposed to be this way. This should be the place that people can come as they are and experience the forgiveness of Jesus. The forgiveness of Jesus and the love of his people. Right? So Paul, Paul talks about it when he addresses the early church in Ephesus. He talks about what it means to live in a holy way. He's trying to give them a new sort of new ideas, a new rule book for holy living in a post-Jesus Christ world, 
where they're not relying on the book of the law anymore. And he says it this way in Ephesians 4, 31-32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. The first thing he does is he reminds them of what Christ has done for them. Like, don't forget, while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. We keep coming back to that and back to that and back to that. You're like, here, you got, you got, anything, you got any other things to say about that? Nope. There's nothing else to say. We didn't deserve it, but we got it anyway. It's been a long time since Jesus died. It's been a long time since he died on the cross, and we are far removed from the early Christians. But we live in the same reality. I didn't do anything to deserve it, and neither did they. Anyone that's not in this place, anyone that will come in this place, that we have stories that we don't know. What I loved about Jesus' life and ministry is that he offered forgiveness, and rarely did people ask for it. Right? Go and sin no more. He, there's this woman that, that uh, came up to him in, in, in Matthew, I think, and um, just offered uh, to and put perfume on his feet and couldn't stop kissing his feet, and everybody thought it was weird. It was different than the, than the, the story I told last week. It was a different encounter early on in Jesus' ministry. And she's just there, and, and they're like, what is she doing? This is, if you knew that woman and what she had done, you would not spend, you would not let her touch you, for sure. And Jesus, of course, tells him to, you know, shut it and, and says, this woman has, has done more for me than, than you ever have done. And ever offered me while I've been in your house. And then she says, go, your sins are forgiven. She never asked. He just gave it to her. And I'm not, I don't know exactly what that means for us other than it's a conversation that we need to keep having and it's a way we need to keep blessing the people that come in contact with us. Is that people are welcome in this place. That we're not going to ask you where you are going. We will take you and love you for exactly who you are. At this moment in time. I feel like that's a good way to start. And we can keep figuring out and talking about it. 